The views, ideas, and content of well seekers and their guests are their own opinions, and you should always seek additional professional help around any of the issues discussed here on Well Seekers. Hello, and welcome to Well Seekers, where we are helping you rise, come back, and thrive to live a life you love from the mind down. I'm Lucia, and I am so honored to be here today as we continue our journey talking about cancer in 2022. And we are covering all aspects. We're talking about holistic care for those who have cancer, prevention, which we're going to talk about a lot today when it comes to food. And we're also sharing personal stories of people who have had cancer and are in this journey, have been in this journey. Um, And for those who either have cancer themselves or have a loved one with cancer, we wanted to do this series because there is a rising cancer and it is only going to increase over the next couple of decades. So what can we do to help prevent it? And what can we do to help care for ourselves and the ones we love who end up getting diagnosed with cancer? What's interesting is since the series began, someone else in my life um, got diagnosed with cancer and someone else who I knew and, and had worked with years and years ago in LA ended up passing away from cancer just in the two weeks um, since we've started taping this series. So I know for my own, in my own life, this is real and this is everywhere. So I'm just so, so honored to be doing this series and hoping that everyone out there listening extracts something that they can use in their own life, which is truly the point of Well Seekers. On today's show, we are welcoming the nutrition nurse. Um, Her name is Hannah. And Hannah is going to be talking a lot about prevention. She also is a nutrition specialist as well as a nurse, which is why we are very excited to have her on the show um, because there's a lot of different and conflicting information about nutrition and cancer. If we start with the basics, if you go on to whose website, World Health Organization, there was something published, and this was about a decade ago that they last did some information around this that that we could find, but um, they said that a large body of literature indicates that as much as 30% of all cancers is linked to poor dietary habits, which is, again, one of the chunks of this show um, is about prevention. So are there things we can do individually, as a community, as a society, to help with prevention when it comes to things like food. Um, That's going to be one of the areas that we're going to ask Hannah about today and in her opinion and experience. The other side of the nutrition puzzle is if you have cancer, if you know someone who's had cancer, there are so many different resources and thoughts about food consumption. It's a complex tricky system to navigate, right? Because there's a few things that happen when you have cancer, right? If you're going through chemotherapy, you may be told just eat whatever you can to keep weight on, right? I know that when um, the people that I have loved that have been going through chemo, that was the approach that they took. And then we started reading books about how to starve cancer um, and different aspects of nutrition that said, don't do that right? So like everything, there's always two schools of thought. And this show is all about walking through both of those, walking through all these little crevices and channels. Um, What do we do, right? If you're in the middle of chemo, do you just eat whatever you can eat to keep weight on? Are we supposed to be starving cancer? Uh, So there's two pieces of today's show. There's the prevention piece that we absolutely want to talk about 
if the World Health Organization is right and 30% of cancers are related to poor diet, then let's get on the same page. Let's find out what we can do prevention wise. And then the second chunk of it is once you're in this, if you do have cancer, what do you do? Right. I can say from my own, this is personal experience. So it's hundred percent personal. I have, I, I am a health coach, but I don't have um, any specific training around cancer and nutrition. So again, I just want to put sort of like a warning sign, just completely personal. Um, when my loved one was going through this, it was eat whatever they could for a little bit during chemo. And then they really made a switch to trying to starve the cancer. They don't eat uh, processed sugars anymore. They don't eat gluten. Um, there, there literally is a book, and we're going to talk about this at the end, some books that um, could be helpful, could not be helpful. My personal belief is that everybody is different. Everybody and everybody. <laughs> um, and so your nutritional needs are going to be different and you have to find out what works for you. That may be eating whatever you can. That may be taking out sugar, dairy, gluten, right? I personally think there is no one size fits all approach because I've seen many different people approach it many different ways and get many different outcomes. So that's what today's show is all about. We're going to talk prevention and then we're going to talk the different avenues of nutrition if you do have cancer. Those pathways are wide. They're varied. Again, we're going to be back with the nutrition nurse, Hannah, in just a moment. And then at the end of the show, we're going to give you some resources, some books that you may want to check out um, if you're interested in prevention. And if you do have cancer and you're interested um, in different ways to quote unquote, you may have heard this term before, starve the cancer. There's definitely some books that may be worth checking out. But again, I do just want to say it is my personal belief that everybody is different. Every situation is different. And our goal here at Well Seekers on the show is to just give you resources and information because there is so much out there. We want to do some of the work for you, whittle it down um, in the sea of so many books pamphlets, things you're going to hear so that you can get the information and decide for yourself. So we'll be right back with the nutrition nurse, Hannah, right here on Wellseekers. You're listening to Wellseekers, a show where the journey is just as important as the destination. Welcome back to Wellseekers, and we are so excited for our next guest in this series, the nutrition nurse. Her name is Hannah. Hannah started her career in healthcare as a registered nurse in 2013 before quickly realizing that our healthcare system was based on sick care and had little to no emphasis on prevention. So she went on to pursue her master's of science in clinical nutrition and integrative health, and now is a board certified nutrition specialist. Her nutrition philosophy is grounded in finding the root cause of disease and utilizing a whole foods, no nonsense approach with healthy lifestyle changes to support the foundational needs needs of the body to restore proper functioning. Hannah, thanks so much for joining us today on Wellseekers. Yeah, so excited to be here. Um, Hannah mentioned before we got started that she has a puppy, which is adorable. So if you hear barking, <laughs> that is her puppy. What's your puppy's name? Uh, her name is Brooke. Oh, <laughs> she's um, a Newfoundland and she's, she's actually two years old today. So, um, <laughs> oh, happy birthday. Uh, yeah. Sweet. She's going to be very big. She, yeah. She's uh, 140 pounds. So she's a big girl. 
<laughs> right now she is. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. She's pretty fully grown at this point. Um, but yeah, she's 140 pounds. She's, she's big. Oh my gosh. She, I, I don't want to give away my weight, but we're basically the same size. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I always say People always say that to me. You're talking about way more. Than yeah. 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 Wow. Well, happy birthday to Brooke. Thank you. <laughs> um, Anna, before we get started, I always love to know why people got into the areas and the pockets that they found themselves in career-wise. Could you tell us a little bit about why nursing and why nutrition? Yeah. So um, I decided I wanted to become a nurse uh, when I was in high school. I had gone on a medical mission trip to the Dominican Republic. So that sort of propelled me into, you know, healthcare in general. So yeah, I began to pursue my nursing degree. And I think it was my senior year, I had a class, it was a community health class. And we read a book called Living Downstream by Sandra Steingraber. It's very, it's very good if you haven't read that book. Um, and it's basically about uh, cancer and the environment and environmental toxins. Prior to becoming, wanting to become a nurse, I actually wanted to be an environmental scientist. That was always something that I was very passionate about. So I found this sort of you know, avenue where these two things came together. Uh, and then I became a nurse. And uh, after I graduated nursing school, while I was studying to take my NCLEX exam, summer after college, I was actually working at a food co-op. And I had some really interesting conversations with uh, the woman that ran the juice bar. Her name was Lisa. And that was very influential on my philosophy, you know, food is medicine and it's all about food. <laughs> and by that point, you know, I had been through enough clinical rotations in nursing school that I realized how damaged the system was and how sick people were. And, you know, working at the food co-op that year, kind of a light switch uh, happened and I realized, you know, it's all about food. So I worked as a nurse for think a year. And by the end of that first year, I was already looking into nutrition programs. And then I found Maryland University of Integrative Health and applied, got in and then started my, yeah, my master's in nutrition and the rest is history. <laughs> you have such important points, Hannah. Um, yeah. <laughs> that nutrition, we hear it a lot, but I don't know if we truly value it as much as we hear about it. Um, yes. And it is a holistic, we are holistic beings, right? And not yeah. just in and of ourselves, but where our food comes from and the sources that it comes from and us as a society and the process that food's created in an environment. And one of the things this series is dedicated to cancer, both prevention and then resources, if you have cancer, one of the things that we were reading about is that 30% of cancers can be tied directly back to diet. Um, yeah. when we look at it as prevention, what are some of the key areas that if we're listening and we truly want to approach cancer prevention from a holistic nutrition point of view, what are some key things we should be looking at nutrition wise? Yeah. So I think just taking a broad, broad look at the food that you are eating are you eating packaged foods? Are you eating whole foods? And when I say whole foods, I mean unprocessed, 
tomatoes, you know, vegetables, fruits, um, nuts and seeds. Are you eating whole foods or are you eating processed foods? And what are the ingredients in the processed foods that you're eating? Because this is really what makes up the quality of our diet. And I think sometimes it's easy to get lost in convenience foods and prepackaged foods. I mean, we're inundated with these things when we walk into the grocery store. So just shifting to more of a whole foods approach is going to be beneficial from from a cancer standpoint um, in, in terms of prevention. When we talk about whole foods, what's your thought on if we take the conversation just a little deeper, right? Do you believe that environment that our foods are grown in impacts more than the actual food and can yes. I, okay. And just to give an example, I was reading something on our beef and pork supply and how it's like directly correlated to colon some, to some people's right. Some young onset colon cancer is a whole different game. I know, but to some people's colon cancer, but then there was a study saying that if you eat grass fed beef, it's not as highly toxic to our systems as some like wheats that, <laughs> that people eat because of chemicals. So how do we figure this out? Right. Cause it feels yeah. like a really complicated puzzle. Yeah. <laughs> so definitely, um, where your food comes from matters in terms of obviously fruits and vegetables. I always encourage people to eat organic where they can, when they can, within reason. We know organic foods are more expensive and that makes it, you know, not necessarily attainable for everyone to buy organic. But my big thing is um, go on to environmental working group or ewg.org. Every year they come out with the dirty dozen and the clean 15. So I don't know if your listeners are familiar with um, the, with the dirty dozen and the clean 15, but you know, the dirty dozen is the top 12 most highly sprayed foods with the highest pesticide residues. And then the clean 15 is the lowest. So typically if a food is on the clean 15, I will opt to buy conventional and not organic to save myself money. And then there are, you know, some of those foods uh, on the dirty dozen that I always buy organic. I won't buy it if it's not organic. Um, so there's certainly, you know, is that, and then in terms of the beef, yes. So most beef in our country that is produced is fed corn, um, or, you know, they give them, you know, feed, but a, a biologically appropriate diet for a cow is grass. So when we feed cows corn, right, that's not necessarily a biologically appropriate diet. And um, some of the reason why they do that is, you know, it's easier, it's cheaper, and it fattens them up faster. So, you know, what we're left with is cows that have a higher fat content um, and the corn that they're eating, the feed that they're eating is usually sprayed with pesticides. Oftentimes these pesticides are actually fat soluble. So you can see that a cow would then have a, a bi we call a bio burden or, you know, um, they're going to be carrying some of those pesticides in, in that fat tissue. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And then likewise, when when you feed an animal, you know, a, a diet that's not biologically appropriate, what we see with the cows and, and the beef that's produced from conventional beef that's fed corn is that there's a higher omega three to six ratio, right? So there's going to be a lot more omega um, sixes and it's more inflammatory. So in general, we have this offset of omega threes and sixes, and we're very heavy on the sixes and we don't have enough of the threes in our diet. So the actual makeup of the, or the quality, I guess you could say of, of the fat that's in grass versus conventional is different. Wow. Um, so that, that matters <laughs> yes. when, when we eat that beef. Yeah. Does the dirty doesn't change? Yeah, it does. Actually, I think I just got an email that uh, EWG is coming out with the 2022 list like this week. So it does slightly change every year. There's the heavy hitters that are kind of always on there. Like I think strawberries are always on the dirty dozen. Mm -hmm. Um, Blueberries are always on the dirty dozen. Spinach is usually on there. So there's, there's some that sometimes I think drop off and change every year, but Um, I think it's actually coming out this week. I think it's so interesting, Hannah, because not only are there all these things we need to worry about, like consuming, not consuming, but now I feel like we've created an extra layer for ourselves, which is where we get our food from. (laughs) And like like you were sharing what the animals are eating, right? Yeah. It's so hard to be aware of Mm -hmm. everything. Could you give some advice to people listening that are interested in prevention, but want it broken down in a way. Cause I know some people where it's like, this is too much. I'm just going to not do any of it. Yeah. Right. If people were yeah. to have a starting point, what are some of those starting points for prevention? Does that make sense? Yeah. So I think the big things are if you can buy organic meat or grass-fed beef, that is great. Um, I don't know. I, I think you live in Connecticut, right? Lucia? Yeah. Yep. So mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know if you ever go to Aldi, but Aldi does Aldi is like a, a grocery store chain that's around here in new England. And, uh, they have grass fed organic beef there, um, ground beef. So simple things like that, switching one food at a time. So it does not have to be, I'm throwing everything out in my cabinet and I have to start from scratch. I don't think that's sustainable. Um, I think if you can make one change and I tell people, look at the foods that you eat the most often, right? Because if that's a food that you're eating every day, you're being, you know, potentially exposed or um, maybe it's a food that's good for you. You're, you're, you know, you're eating a food that has health benefits. You're eating it every single day. So let's say, for instance, you have um, strawberries and yogurt every morning for breakfast. So switch your strawberries from conventional to organic because you eat those strawberries every single day. And then I do like the Dirty Dozen and the Clean 15 because it just gives people a list like, I'm going to buy these ones organic, I'm going to buy these ones not organic. And you do what you can. You don't have to make all these lifestyle changes overnight. I think it's easier for people to just do one thing at a time and start there and just decrease, you know, your packaged foods um, and try to come up with alternatives to them. So, you know, if you like to eat 
chips, let's say, you know, potato chips, that's your thing. I would encourage you to try making potato chips. <laughs> oh, I find it, you're going to find, wow, that. this is really laborious. This is hard. Yeah. And you're probably going to eat them less often. So um, making your own homemade, I think is always best. Like I make my own homemade mayo, I make my own homemade salad dressings. And once you start doing these things, you, you know, the first time it might be sort of daunting, but eventually it becomes second nature. And I like when you can make homemade foods for yourself because you have control over the ingredients that are going into that food. So mm. you have that control over the quality of what's going into your mouth. Mm. I think we've become such an accelerated society and I think COVID slowed yeah. us down some, but I, yeah. I know that it didn't slow everyone down and that mm -hmm. I have, my <laughs> gut is that we're going to just pick up the speed again um, yeah. at some point. It's so hard in such a quick society to have nutrient dense food, right? Yeah. yeah. From thing to thing to thing. Do you have any advice for anyone listening that it, maybe it's work related, family related, pickup related where making, I, mean, I love the idea of making your own potato chips and making your own food. And that's something that I do as well. But if people don't have legitimately don't have the time, would you have any advice for them of what to look for? Yeah. So I am a huge advocate for meal planning and prepping. So if you have that one day in the week where you're going to have time to, you know, dedicate three hours of your Sunday afternoon to making food, maybe you just prep your breakfast, maybe you just prep your dinners, but at least have a plan, make yourself a plan so that you are setting yourself up for success, right? If, if you come home from work and you're starving, you're going to reach for the first easiest thing you can put in your mouth out of the fridge. Mm -hmm. But if you, you know, have hummus and veggies already prepped and in containers, that's easy to grab and go. So making yourself some of those grab and go foods, and it doesn't have to be anything super complicated either. Like, like I said, it could be some cucumber sticks and carrots and hummus, and that's great. And then if you do have to have those convenience foods, because you really just don't have that time, then take a look at the actual ingredient label. What is in this packaged food? that you're eating, what are the ingredients? Are they, are they whole foods or are they food like substances? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, you know, forget the calories necessarily or the fat content, like what are the ingredients in this item and is there added sugar? Is there added sugar in this item? Because that is a big sneaky one. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the last thing I think I would say is just, you have to make time, right? Because, when it comes to prevention, people will always question me. They'll say, why do you spend all this time doing this? Or why do you eat that way? Or why do you spend your money on that supplement or vitamin? And it's all about prevention because I don't want to be sick and I don't want to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on medications or hospitalizations in 20, 30 years. Mm -hmm. um, so I think prioritizing your health and making that time is, is a huge piece for sure. Absolutely. Um, there's a couple of things you said in there. And I know just because I'm always want to be respectful of our guest time. There's one piece I wanted to get to, which I think segues into this, which is if you have cancer, I feel like there's also conflicting information on what do you eat? Right. I know yeah. that um, I 
have a couple of loved ones right now that have cancer, which sort of prompted this. But one of the things was, you know, we were told um, when going through chemo, like just eat anything, sugar, ice cream, this, that, right. And they were getting more sick. Right. Mm -hmm. But I also know for some people that's legitimately all they can tolerate. Right. And then we started reading the book, how to starve cancer, which was like, do not eat dairy, do not eat sugar, do not eat gluten. Right. And all of the stuff that we had been told, like, just, just eat this, here's some ideas. How do you sort through that conflicting information, Hannah? And I know I know that it's hard and we, in our, when we opened the show, we were talking about how everyone is different, but Mm -hmm. what generally, how do you sort through those types of scenarios? I think it's really hard because there's so much misinformation out there and there is no one size fits all diet. Everybody is biologically different and everybody needs something different. So, you know, I would encourage people if you are, confused about what should I be eating? What should I not be eating for cancer or for a certain health condition? Find either, you know, a nutrition professional, either a registered dietitian or someone like myself, a certified nutrition specialist, and actually sit down with them and take a look at the whole picture. I usually discourage people from trying to get nutrition advice from their doctor because Mm -hmm that's not what they're trained in. Mm -hmm. Most medical degrees, I think they've got like one or two tops nutrition class requirements. Some of them don't even require a class in nutrition, which I think can be really dangerous, but um, that's the reality of our, you know, our medical school system. Mm -hmm. Um, And I find that the doctors just, they don't actually know. They know how to diagnose. They know how to prescribe medications. They know how biologically some of these diseases work, but they don't have that really deep understanding of food. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to cancer and sugar, um, sugar is one of my favorite aspects of nutrition. Um, So sugar definitely causes a lot of metabolic derangements, especially refined sugar, right? So when I talk about sugar, I'm not talking about, you know, the sugar that's in fruits and and stuff like that. I'm talking about added sugar. So high fructose corn syrup or, you know, honey, even glucose, if you see that or fructose. Um, So the real caveat with, with sugar and cancer is that higher sugar intake will lead to higher levels of insulin-like growth factor, IGF-1. Mm. So um, this is a normal hormone uh, that's made in our bodies, right? Um, It's necessary for the growth and development uh, for infants and children. But as we get older, these levels should drop off. So it does naturally occur in our body, but it can be present in higher levels when we eat high levels of sugar. So IGF-1 increases uh what we call cell proliferation or or like the growth and multiplication of cells and it reduces the programmed cell death or apoptosis so this is our body's like built in you know way of saying of like red flag something's wrong with this cell we're gonna 
we're dead, we're dying. <laughs> this cell is unhealthy, right? Um, so one of the big things that we can do it, to reduce that IGF-1 pathway is to reduce our sugar intake. There's been a lot of studies about IGF-1 and the development of cancers and targeting that pathway specifically with, with certain drugs and, you know, different agents like that. Um, but certainly food plays a huge factor um, likewise, there's also been a lot of studies that we've seen on fasting or intermittent fasting because it does reduce that IGF-1 pathway. Mm -hmm. um, and we know that cancer cells, they utilize energy differently than healthy cells. So this is pretty widely accepted. It's called the Warburg effect. And cancer cells use different energy pathway. We, it's called anaerobic glycolysis. It uses more glucose. It's actually less efficient. And this is the the normal energy pathway that we actually use when we're exercising um, and, you know, your muscles are, are burning. So we know that cancer cells utilize more glucose. Um, so because of this, there have been quite a few studies in regards to looking at different ways to alter, you know, yeah, like starving these cancer cells. Um, and glucose definitely plays a part in that. But I think it's not the only part. I do think it's difficult when you have cancer, especially if you're having side effects from chemotherapy or medications and you can't really get a lot down. But this is where I also urge people find out if your, um, your oncology office has a nutrition professional that you can work with because most of the time they do. And that could be a really, really valuable resource for people. This is fascinating, Hannah. And I feel like <laughs> We always try to keep these accessible, but we really need to do extended versions for people that have more time because yeah. this is such a fascinating conversation. What I hear in there though, is that sugar is a piece of the puzzle in foods that from your environment could be a piece of the puzzle uh, when it comes to um, actual cancer treatment though, to check in with a nutritionist. I don't know what your feelings are on NDs, but I feel like they also are a wealth of information when it comes to nutrition as well. Yeah, definitely. Naturopaths are a great resource, I think, to talk about nutrition, um, create a nutrition plan. They have extensive nutrition education as part of their doctorate degree. So they're also a really, you know, great resource um, for trying to figure out, you know, lifestyle and dietary interventions as, you know, adjuvant therapies to cancer. So I am a huge advocate for, for that and, you know, trying any kind of natural approaches that are going to be beneficial. And that's really the beauty of, of integrative medicine, which is a part of my, my master's degree is, you know, the joining of you know, quote unquote, alternative or natural therapies with, you know, our Western standard medicine. Um, and I think it's something that I, I dream about a day, you know, when there will be this cohesiveness between these two sides, um, you know, for the treatment of cancer and, you know, and other chronic diseases as well. Um, so certainly I think right now you have to advocate for yourself and you have to seek out that additional support. So much tremendous wisdom, Hannah, before we let you go, any final words of advice to anyone looking to learn more about prevention or maybe someone who has cancer and is looking to find out more about nutrition, any books you love or avenues that they could explore that you could suggest? 
One of my favorite um, people that I follow on social media is actually Dr. G. And one of his specialties um, is integrative oncology. And he just has so many pearls. Um, And then, yeah, some other books that I really like are um, The Omnivore's Dilemma by Michael Pollan is, you know, a really great one. Um, That's definitely one of my favorite books. And then sort of not necessarily related to food, but um, kind of how I got interested in, in, you know, cancer and the environment was um, the book Living Downstream by Sandra Steingraber, really eye-opening in regards to environmental toxins and chemicals um, and just gives a lot of great data and resources on ways that you can implement lifestyle changes in regards to cancer prevention. Mm. Thank you, Hannah, the nutrition nurse. We are going to have all of her links um, so that you can find her, um, Hannah. But do you want to give them to us as well? Yeah, yeah. Um, you so my website is um, thenutritionnurse.com, um, but you can mostly find find me on my Instagram, and it's um, the dot nutrition dot nurse. Hannah, thanks so much for your time here today. Um, awesome. Thanks so much for having me, Lucia. Yeah, and we didn't hear Brooke. Which I'm sad. No, no. <laughs> I think she's sleeping, which is good. <laughs> we'll be right back on Well Seekers. Today's lifestyle demands the best in wireless. And with Pulse Cellular, you have the best options available. Switch to Pulse Cellular for unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data. Coast to coast with no contracts, no credit checks, and no overage fees. One line for $65 or four lines for just $45 each, including hotspot, Wi-Fi calling, and 50 gigs per line. And for all you travelers, we got you covered in Canada and Mexico. Plus, text and data in over 210 countries worldwide. All with the best phones or bring your own that's pretty awesome get the best user experience on mobile at pulsecellular.com thanks for being part of the seekerhood we couldn't do this without you now back to the show welcome back to well seekers and thank you so much again to hannah for being here what hannah and i were talking about which um i wish we could continue the conversation and we will continue the conversation on nutrition, of course, series to series, but everyone is different. There's a path for everybody and not only talk to your doctor, right. But seek out other resources, seek out other supports, right. If needed. I just wanted to talk about some books that I found incredibly helpful as I was starting to get to know more about cancer. So there were a few. One was, um, and I'm just going to grab them. I'm physically going to grab them, even though you can't see me because I just love to tangibly touch books. So um, when it comes to nutrition, the number one book that I started reading was um, something called How to Starve Cancer, Jane McCulland. And this was just a transformational book, Um, talked a lot about what the topic is, how to starve cancer. For me and my loved one, that was absolutely a very pivotal book, a very pivotal book that gave us a lot of insight. It has an incredible amount of resources. It connects people to naturopathic doctors, suggestions to holistic MDs. So that book really, if you're one, an alternative viewpoint. I think that is one of the most incredible books that I've read that helped me see things from a different side. There's another book, the Cancer Wellness Cookbook. 
Uh, this is definitely more in line with probably what you'll see from your doctors if you go to any cancer institute and you connect with a nutritionist. But the reason I like this is that it's just like an incredibly thick cookbook. And I know you can find them online, but sometimes when you're just have a million things to do, which is everybody, but especially when you have a cancer diagnosis, having a cookbook all in one place that you can physically touch. To me, this has just been so helpful because I can just pick it up and grab it. I don't need to like grab my phone or grab my computer and start downloading things. Um, it's just all in one place. So the cancer wellness cookbook, and that's by Kimberly Mathay, I believe um, is how you pronounce her last name. And the third book that I read in the very beginning that was incredibly helpful from a nutrition perspective is The Metabolic Approach to Cancer, Integrating Deep Nutrition, the Ketogenic Diet, and Non-Toxic Bio-Individualized Therapies. It's a mouthful, but it was comprehensive. It talked about diet. It talked about all therapies. Again, um, three very different books, How to Starve Cancer by Jane McCullen, The Metabolic Approach to Cancer by Dr. Natasha Winters and Jess Higgins-Kelly. Um, and then the Cancer Wellness Cookbook by Kimberly Mathai. Those are probably the top three books that I would recommend for a range of approaches. I'm a reader. I love books. I actually love touching physical books. I just hope that some of those additional resources can help you in your journey. But as always, talk to your doctor, talk to your medical team, um, and always, always, always get their advice because this is your journey, your health. And everyone is so, so different. So make sure you always, always, always talk to your medical team. From all of us here at Wellseekers, we are just so honored to be on this journey with you. Make sure to subscribe to the show to continue the conversation in this series and follow us on Instagram. On We're not on Twitter as much. <laughs> we spend a lot of time on Instagram and Facebook at Wellseekers. Um, so reach out to us. We love continuing these conversations um, after the show. So you can find us there and you can find my own personal Instagram there as well. Thanks so much for letting us be a part of your day, a part of your family, and thank you for being a part of mine. With my deepest love and gratitude, we'll see you next time here on Well Seekers. How would you like to join the conversation? Email us anytime at hello at wellseekers.com.